there was a point where I was too scared to like talk about certain things. I felt I wasn't smart enough. I was like just been focusing on my laptop and like doing what I needed to do. But I learned that it's important to put yourself out there. Like no matter what you're doing, no matter how small you think it is, there's someone that will find that thing useful. You must not follow this route. You must not necessarily write articles or share knowledge or do stuff that people do when they're putting themselves out. But I'll just say that it's it's important. You could definitely provide or give you access to certain opportunities that you wouldn't have had, right? So let's assume I didn't decide to start writing articles or like start giving talks or start maybe helping people in, in any way that I could because I knew that this community was, was like a strong influence in my, my tech journey, being able to reach out to people. I just felt that it was important for me to give back. Hello and welcome to Developer's Journey, the podcast bringing you the making of stories of successful software developers to help you on your upcoming journey. My name is Tim Bourguignon and on this episode 124, I receive Edidiong Asikpo. Edidiong is a developer advocate at Hashnode. She is passionate about technical writing, contributing to open source organizations, building developer communities, and inspiring the next generation. Edidiong, welcome to Death Journey. Thank you for having me. Edidiong, the show exists to help the listeners understand what your story looked like so far and imagine how to shape their own future. So let's go back to your beginnings, shall we? Where would you place the start of your developer's journey? Yeah, so um, I would say, so I think just like every other child, I grew up wanting to be a lawyer when I was a child. And I think the reason why I wanted to become a lawyer was because I was definitely, I definitely liked arguing. I don't think, I wouldn't say I was stubborn. I would just say I liked arguing. <laughs> so I just thought that being a lawyer would be like the best um, the best route for me to take. So I, I went to like high school and the interesting thing about my high school was they gave me an opportunity to try both um, science and arts courses at the same time for like a, an academic session just to have an idea or an, an understanding of what exactly you really fit in. Because it's one thing to think you would be a great lawyer. And there's another thing to try out those courses and realize that, oh, well, maybe you're not as great as you think in terms of law, right? So, yeah. (laughs) So in the process, I realized that that law wasn't for me because uh, I learned that lawyers had to like really read a lot and like read a lot of stories and a lot of books. And that just wasn't who I am at the time. Like, I mean, I, I, I think I basically read to pass my exams. I, I don't think I, I really loved uh, like education, in, in, like in, just to say the least. So I basically went to pass my exams. So just understanding that I had to read so much and I had to be a lawyer just took me off. I was like, okay, hey, no, I'm not doing this. And, and the good thing was I actually loved physics. I was like, okay, hey, let me go for physics. So I decided to go into science class and like wanted to become a petrochemical engineer. But again, as life would have it, uh, my dad said, he would actually want me to study um, medicine and surgery. And I, I don't know if it's relevant to like other um, parts of the world, but in Nigeria, parents wanted your wanted their children to either become lawyers or engineers or medical doctors. It had to be one of them for them to think you are actually a maybe a serious child or something like that. So, I mean, I told him, hey, dad, I don't think I can do this because I don't like blood. I don't like... Um, 
I don't like drugs, to say the least. I literally can't stand the scent of drugs. That's how much I hate anything that has to do with drugs. And it was all about, oh, no, you need to do this because it's giving, like, the better opportunities. And, I mean, he was paying my, my fees, right? So I was like, okay, cool, let's do this. And I had to write exams for medicine. But when the time came for me to go to school, he came again and said, oh, hey, I think the school is too far. Let's try to go to school that is closer so that it can easily reach me and like come over to visit. So I had to look for other private schools. And at the time, all the private schools had stopped um, everything about medicine and surgery. So that's when I found computer science, right? So it's it was almost like a mistake, right? So I found computer science. And I'm like, okay, cool. I think computer science was interesting in secondary school. So yeah, I might actually be able to do this. So I went to study computer science in the university and it wasn't as easy as I thought it would be. It was really easy in second in, in high school, right? But in the university, it was a bit more difficult. I, I, I don't know if the lecturers didn't explain it effectively or I don't know, maybe the ones and zeros were not really making a lot of sense to me. So I was basically just, again, reading to pass my exams. But the turning point for me was when I went for an internship. So in my country, Nigeria, uh, when you're in your third level, Everybody is advised to go for an internship in a company just to give you a sense of what the world will look like when you graduate, right? So I was lucky to go to um, an internship in a tech firm where I learned how to develop mobile applications, right? So I think that's, that's the point where tech happened for me, not necessarily because I studied computer science, because if I didn't go to that internship, and meet other young people and other people who are really focused on learning the practical side of tech and not the theoretical part, I probably wouldn't be in tech today. So I, I went to the internship and I was just really excited that I could build, like, I mean, even if it was the smallest features in mobile applications, I just couldn't believe that I, I could learn to become a mobile developer. And at the time, I really loved um, the Facebook mobile application. So being able to build like maybe the smallest thing as a share button or um, the like, the like, um, but like just the tiniest things just made me so happy. I couldn't believe that <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's what made me really excited about tech, just the possibilities that I could build the things that I, I, I used on Facebook for like a really long time. Not um, keeping in mind that I was like a diehard fan of the application, right? So I mean, when I mm-hmm. went back, things became clearer it was no longer reading just to pass i really wanted to understand what like tech was about and i was also, I, I had to like, join a developer community i think that's also something that helped me really well because I, I had access to people that i could maybe ask questions like share my thoughts like my worries i knew that i wasn't only it was not just like i was not the only person who didn't understand things immediately like we were like so many people out there, right? And coding takes time for others to understand. And for some people, it's like super easy. So it is really great to have a community of people and find a tech community, to be honest. And what, what summarily, I would say that the start of my tech journey was going to the internship to study Android development. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Do, do you... Um, is, is it a trend for you to need something practical to uh to to play with to really understand how that could be and then be motivated by it instead of of uh looking at theory and being um being excited by the theory only 
Yeah, it, it definitely is. And I think this also applies to coding as well. So it's one thing to be watching a tutorial and listening to the, um, like the person who is teaching you about a specific technology or specific framework. Let's say for React, for instance. And it's another thing to read the documentation, right? But trying it out is definitely what gives you like a clearer picture, a better understanding of exactly what you're doing, right? Because you really get mm-hmm. to see, oh, hey, this is what they meant by by this and it just makes you the excitement that i could i can do that thing is really what makes me be in tech to be an excitement that i could build amazing things that people can use the excitement that i could um like maybe read an article or read a video have access to people that i can ask questions and eventually implement those things just that's like the final or not final like the exciting point for me being able to build with um the things i've learned or instead of just reading the tutorial not doing anything but being able to build off that tutorial that i've read mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense you must have um, a gazillion pro- unfinished projects uh, lying somewhere and I know, stuff you try <laughs> Yeah, and the the, the mobile uh, world is very, very cool for that. I remember when I built my first mobile applications, um, I mean, I I had built some some, some DOS applications and Windows applications and websites, etc. And it was always a crescendo when you are able to take it out with you in the world. And uh, so being able to to, to show my friends a website I did was really cool. But being able to pull up my phone and show people the application I did on my phone now, this is bunkers i know that is way cooler <laughs> yes <laughs> it is well, there you go for practical that's that's really cool okay so you did this internship uh, very early in this um in the studies and this triggered the rest and how how did it um did it impact the rest of your studies did, did you were, were you waiting just waiting to be able to go back in the field again or did it help you study differently and how differently? Yeah, I think I think it's a combination of both. So yeah, first it definitely made me study differently because, like I mentioned, I was basically always reading just to pass my exams, right? Because I, I know I didn't want to fail. I wanted to make my parents proud, right? So I was basically just always reading to pass my exam. I don't necessarily to know what they were saying. So before I went for my industrial training, um, like a lecturer would literally be explaining a programming language and I'm like okay what what are you saying what what does that mean like I really didn't understand what he was saying and I literally had to cram like maybe just really cram the code really well maybe really cram what he's saying but without actually understanding the reasons behind those things right so it mm-hmm, after mm-hmm. doing that I am um, internship definitely improved my way of learning because I was actually a bit more interested in understanding the reasons behind certain things and because I already had like the practical knowledge, I could, for some reason, understand the lecturers a bit more, a bit more. But yeah, so it definitely took a toll on 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 like education, on like on my coding journey. I get at some point because I had to stop for a bit. I just focused on um, working on my project and uh, like building my project. Like so missing it. So at some point, I literally didn't do anything Android related. So say for a couple of months in school, but either ways, I was still doing like one couple of things in the community maybe helping out here and there from school so i think that still kept kept me in the loop i was like, okay hey i know that i want to pass my uh, my studies and i definitely also want to be in tech so maybe we just focus on on one thing first i mean for for, for people it's okay some people can definitely pull off uh, being in school and still like 
being in tech actively, but then there are other people like myself who can't do that. I think we prefer, we prefer um, like focusing on one thing and being like really good at one thing first before going to the next thing, right? So I just said, okay, okay I think I need to like focus, right? And after mm-hmm. I finished school, um, I came out and I was like, okay, I don't think I want to do Android anymore. I should just switch to um, Python. I think I was more interested in the data science. I was like, oh, okay, artificial intelligence. We're going to build like the next, uh, implement artificial intelligence, like the next robot. So just think about like a lot of really um, amazing things. And people said that Python would help me achieve these things, right? But yes, I did Python for like a couple of months while, that's like immediately after I left school. And again, at some point, I was like, okay, hey, maybe I don't want to do Python anymore. Let me just try like actual core web development. That's like HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and then React. So I was like, okay, hey, let me just try this out for for a bit. And it turns out I actually liked or enjoyed building things that I could actually see, right? I mean, with, with, with Python, it's like, okay, hey, you just do some kind of visualization, which is pretty much, which is cool. But with CSS, I could do, I mean, animations, with React, I could do like, things that were cooler in, in a sense. Like, I mean, I could see those things that were built and I like, took it to fit what I wanted on the website. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that part of like, okay, yeah, I think I'll just focus on, um, on on learning and just being a front-end, a front-end developer, right? So I, and another thing, another interesting thing that happened to me during that time was I never used to love writing i never loved reading like i really mentioned i wasn't the reader i was only reading to like pass exams so if you send me a text that is really long i promise you i won't read i'll just read the beginning i read the end like i was too lazy to even read (laughs) (laughs) i was and, 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 and it was definitely impacting like my 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 brain like the way i was thinking the way i was writing i mean it could be like um um like interviews or meetings and they would ask for like my suggestions. Sometimes, even though I had those suggestions in my my brain, I just couldn't type it up because I felt I felt um I I, I wouldn't be able to put it in the right words or maybe I'm not like smart enough or something. So I literally just keep my opinion to myself, right? But then I realized that it was literally affecting my career because I feel communication is a really important skill to have as a software software developer, right? So I decided to be more intentional about improving the way I, I, I the way I wrote, right? So I mean and one of the first things I did was stop I stopped writing in short forms. So for instance, if I want at the time if I wanted to tell you how are you, like literally like H O W A R E Y O U, right? I wouldn't mm-hmm. say those things. I would say for how would be A W. Then for R how R R would just be like the letter R. Then for you, it's literally be the letter U. So I wasn't the typer. <laughs> so like my brain was lazy. I was lazy. Everything about me was just like, okay. Like I wasn't um what's the word? I wasn't like making myself like trying to get better or like certain things. I was just okay, this is life, this is what life is. So there's nothing to change. So those was one of the first things I did because I realized. Why are you rushing? Why are you rushing? To, if you don't have time to respond to the messages, like in full words, and just chill. Whenever you're ready, take your time and respond. Because a lot of people would not want to admit it, but writing in short forms all the time definitely affects the way you spell certain things because you, you begin to lose those words. You, you won't be able to spell them again. And it, it, it definitely now affects your writing in general because you could probably be writing something serious and add like a short form. 
and send it to somebody that doesn't understand what that means. So it affects you in like in diverse ways, right? So I said, okay, mm-hmm, hey, mm-hmm. definitely going to stop this. And that was like the first step. Then I saw this quote. Mm, I can't remember who like actually like who actually said the word, but the quote said, you only learn how to write by writing. And it just dawned on me that oh, hey, it's, it's okay to change, like stop writing in short form. It's okay to maybe start reading a bit more, but nothing would change if you don't actually start writing. And that, 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 that made me say, okay, hey, maybe I'll definitely be terrible at first, but if I keep writing, I need to just start to see that I can become a better writer. And I just started um, improving my writing skills, like writing and just like sharing knowledge. And you could just see that it definitely improved me as, a person, a communicator, uh, made me even more like maybe known in the community because people were reading my articles and finding um like insightful information from it, right? So I pretty much went um from being a person who couldn't like contribute to um like certain conversations because I was scared that I couldn't write um or share my thoughts in a really good way to being able to share knowledge in the developer community and help a lot of people with my writing. I mean, when people read my articles, they're like, oh, you write really well. I'm like, okay, are you joking? Are you really saying that? So it's really, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's really nice to see that, like in life, it's when you start doing something, I think starting is like the important part, just starting. Once you start doing something, it's the chances of you becoming better at that thing is definitely higher than not just starting at all. So <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would have one question there. Um, what kept you motivated to go through this mindful process of writing because you want to write? Because I, I assume it wasn't um, easy every day. Yeah, totally. It wasn't easy every day. But what I would say what kept me was seeing the improvement. So I could literally see that I was improving. My writing skills was improving. And just thinking back to the point where I knew I couldn't write and seeing what I could do now just made me believe that if I kept on going this way and keep like improving my writing skill, I'll definitely reach a point where I'll definitely become better at writing. And it, it, it's definitely what happened. I mean, I'm so learning, I still want to become better, but writing has just opened a lot of a lot of doors for me in my tech career. I mean, software engineering has also helped as well. But writing has, I think, if you put software engineering first, put writing like next, yeah. <laughs> yeah and at some point i like to say that it's the opposite at some oh. point being a software developer is a given so you need to be uh to be developer enough but yeah. then it's this the writing or the communication or the management skills or the ability to do something else that comes uh first and becomes more interesting so yeah. <laughs> that's what i've observed um, from so many interviews <laughs> yeah. Um, one one thing I often hear is, uh, from, say, from from junior developers or, or upcoming developers is, um, well, but I don't know what I could write about. What what would you answer to that? So, um, right, I think it's important to understand that writing is not necessarily just to teach somebody. It's to teach yourself. It's writing for your future self. It's documenting what you're learning. So if you're a junior developer and you're like, okay, here, I don't think I know enough to teach somebody else, just remember that if you've been a junior developer for one month, there's somebody that's been a developer for like one day, right? And the information that you know in that one month can definitely help that person that just joined in one day. 
right? And you're, the, the, because you're a general developer, you still don't really get some things in, in a way, right? And you can still, like, you still relate to other general developers. So if you're writing, you might definitely hit your tar- target audience, which is the general developer, and they can definitely understand your article a lot more than senior just because they get where you're coming from. They know that, okay, hey, we, you are like, okay, I'm looking up to you, and you've been able to explain this in a way that I can understand. And I think it's also important to know that, um, aside from things I've mentioned, which is you don't just write to teach, you write to document what you're learning. So writing could be a process where where you learn something in the process. So if you never knew about um, let's say scroll sugar for instance, and you want to write about it, you can actually learn about it and then write about it. You don't need to know it before you say, Oh, hey, let me write about scroll sugar. It could just be a process of you learning about a particular tool. And then the next thing I would say is no matter the amount of information we have in the internet, which is a lot, the way you explain things may just be what somebody was looking for to eventually understand that thing. So I'll give an example. Um, I'm sure everybody knows about the DOM. It's like one of the most popular uh, APIs to know as a web developer, right? So um, I was about to write an article on getting started with the DOM because, I mean, when I was starting, I was like, okay, hey, this stuff is it's cool, but it's something that can be a bit um, like complicated to understand, right? So and I, I, I think I went through the internet. I could see that there were like tons of articles, tons of videos. I'm like, okay, hey, these people are definitely smarter than I am, right? Like, do I really need to write this article? Like, why am I adding another dumb article to the millions of dumb articles we already have in the world, right? And I thought, okay, well, let me just write it <laughs> and publish it. And the, the, the thing that happened was after I published this article, so many people were, so many people who never understood the dumb read it and understood it. Like, and it got like a lot of retweets on, on, on Twitter. I got like tons of followers because of that article that I almost didn't publish because I thought, oh, maybe I'm not smart enough or there's already like excess information out there. But the thing is, there's this set of people, there's this person that is saying, oh, if only I can see an article that will make me understand. So your article might actually be that one thing that somebody will see and say, oh, no, I think this is it. This is actually it. Because if you think about it, when you, when you Google a particular word or technology on, 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 on like your browser, you open different articles, right? And once you, you skim through those articles and eventually find the one that you think you'd like. So you see that there's somebody else that will come and skim through those same articles and not pick the same one you're picking. So the point of this is there's room for everybody. There, even if one person reads your article and finds it useful, then that's perfect. Even if it's your future mm-hmm. that will need that information, so they say, oh, hey, I wrote an article about it, then that's absolutely fine. Just go ahead and write it. Absolutely. Thank you for saying this. This this is exactly what I think. I've I've had this this behavior so much when you you search for something and you're actually not searching with the right keywords because you don't know them. So you're mm-hmm. searching with what you have best and suddenly you you find a, a blog post or an article or something that describe the thing you wanted to uh, to 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 reach with those words yeah. because somebody started there as well. And then they realize this is not the right keywords and, and guides you in learning the right ones. But you have to, to understand this unknown unknowns at first. And if we all wait to have the right keywords to be able to write, then nobody will find anything. So amen to all you said. <laughs> this is so true. Okay, so we were at university. You probably finished university. You focused on writing. What happens next? Yeah, so I went to university, finished, and when I came out, like I mentioned, I tried to switch to 
um, like Python and then switched to web and got into writing as well. And um, so in Nigeria, there's this thing called um, National Youth Service Corp. So it's basically um, gives you an opportunity to work with a company again, just like the previous one. But this time, you it's actually mandatory, right? You have to do it before you apply for like a role in Nigeria. So I, I had to go for, go for that. It's like a three weeks camp and then you're assigned to a particular company to work for that company for a year. So um, I did like the camp and then luckily for me, I got into um, a tech company called InterSwitch, which is like my previous company. And I mean, like I had to go through the interview phase, right? Which was um, the algorithm test, meeting the um, CIO and also meeting the owner of the company. So one thing I, I think I forgot to mention was while I was waiting for like the NYC to work, I'm still um, going through the three weeks camp. I was contributing to open source. So I contributed to um, Wikipedia. And one of the things I did there was um, improve their API documentation and also write um, like sample codes for them in Python. So I was like, doing that and I still going to um, NYSC. So when I, I finished the first interview, which was like the algorithm test, I had to meet with the CIO, right? And this is someone who didn't have like prior experience in like any work experience. And it's, it's, I feel like getting the first job is always like one of the hardest things sometimes. Most of the time, to be honest. Then after you've gotten the first job, other jobs are a bit easy to get because people don't necessarily want to um, interview people that don't have, sorry, accept people into a company that don't have prior experience. I mean, there are some companies that are really open to teaching and like empowering people to become better software engineers or um, writers, right? So I, I and he so he asked me, okay, hey, what have I been doing so far? And we have so far been contributing to open source organizations. And then he asked what when did you make the last contribution? And luckily for me, I actually made a contribution that morning before going for the interview. So I was like, oh hey, I made it today. And he was like, okay, do you want to tell me about it? And like I think it was about API rollback, which was really interesting. I think that was like the most interesting API I worked on compared to like other APIs for that open source organization. So I explained um, the process and what I did. And you could just see in his eyes that he was really impressed with what I what I was saying, right? So uh, one point out here is open source contributions definitely also helped helped me because most junior developers, the reason why they don't necessarily get opportunities to work in companies because companies want to see what you've built. And most of the time it's personal projects, it's open source contributions, just being able to like work on something that you're not fully a tutorial in. Like it's not a tutorial that they're saying, okay, hey, build a calculator, calculator right? And you're like saying, oh, hey, I built a calculator. They want to see something more practical. And open source organizations give you an opportunity to work on like real real world or like real life examples, real world like problems and all of that. So I was able to like explain those things to him and he was impressed with like the interview and I went through the next stage and luckily got um, accepted into the company. So I, I completed my NYC in the company and reapplied for like a full-time um, software engineering role. So I went through the interview process again. I joined the company as a full-time staff as a software engineer in the developer relations team. And um, InterSwitch is a, a, a great company, like it's one of the coolest companies in Nigeria. So it, it was definitely like a, a, a good ride for me to just know that, hey, like you may not necessarily know every single thing at first glance. You just need to keep trying, maybe just 
uh, like putting in effort and putting in the work, it will definitely get better at some point. And I mean, I said in internships for a couple of um, like a year and some months, then eventually um, joined Hashnode. And I think the cool thing about Hashnode was I didn't have to apply for the job. So um, Hashnode does this um, series called She Inspire series where they interview different women in tech, right? And just like share their story of how they got into tech, what they are currently doing and things like that. So I was um, invited to um, do one of those interviews as well. And the co-founder of the company read um, the interview and then he reached out to me on Twitter. I was just talking about how he really loved um, the interview, right? And asked if um, I'd be willing to like jump on a call with him to just talk about some things on Hashnode, Hashnode right? I was like, okay, yeah, cool. Let's, let's do this. And we... Um, like had the call and then I just shared my thoughts on like some of the things he told me about um, Hashnode. I'm like, oh yeah, cool. So you know, asked if I was um, open to any opportunities at the moment. And I'm like, okay, by opportunity, do you mean job opportunities? Because you have to be sure, right? Before you answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and he said, yes. And I'm like, oh yeah, sure. I, I, I am. And honestly, at that point, I was definitely looking forward to like um, doing something else. Um, like leaving the comp, like my current company at the time, just inter switch to trying out something, something, something new, right? So I said, okay, yeah, cool. Let me, um, yeah, I'm definitely interested in the role, and we had a couple of conversations about it, and I eventually joined Hashnode. So what what I would say here is, I, I there was a point where I was too scared to like talk about certain things. I felt I wasn't smart enough. I was like just been focusing on my laptop and like doing what I needed to do. But I, I, I learned that it's important to put yourself out there. Like no matter what you're doing, no matter how small you think it is, there's someone that will find that thing useful. So it's, it's great. I mean, it's, you must not follow this route. You must not necessarily write articles or share knowledge or um, like do stuff that people do when they put, they're putting themselves out. But I'll just say that it's, it's important. You could definitely provide or give you access to certain opportunities that you wouldn't have had, right? So let's assume I didn't decide to start writing articles or like start giving talks or start maybe helping people in, in any way that I could because I knew that this community was what was like a strong influence in my, my tech journey, being able to reach out to people. I just felt that it was important for me to give back as well. If people helped me, then let me also help someone maybe get better at tech and we understand a particular framework or a particular concept that was really hard for me. So I tried to explain it to somebody else and it just made me go- get like a job opportunity that I wouldn't have got if I was just like, hey, let me just focus on my on my coding and all of that. And I think that's important too as well. It's important to focus on just your code, but I think it's also important to understand that being um like a person in the community who is always willing to like share knowledge when you can. I'm not saying you should um like just focus on doing that because you can definitely get overwhelming as well. But as much as you can just try to help like a GR developer, even just like someone in intermediate level. If I even need information you have I even help an expert, right? So just share knowledge, even if nobody's listening at some point, someone will definitely listen. Which ways did you personally pick to help others? Is this this, um, this uh, writing articles and, and giving talks? Or did you try and go to your local communities and, and, and help out there? Did you try mentorship or, or getting interns with you and, and helping them or apprentices? What, what, what did you try and, and what worked out for you and what didn't? I did like a couple of things from... 
Um, so I started leading a community, a developer circle community from Facebook, and that gave me an opportunity to work with like um, a lot of people in my local community, which is Aquabum State in Nigeria. So uh, we could bring in like new people who never knew anything about tech, just teach them, and also like teach beginners, intermediates, and um, like other people as well. And then it also involved writing articles. I started writing articles because I knew that. Even if it wasn't just them, even if I wasn't expecting anybody to read it, I was just like putting it out there. And I definitely also jumped on like mentoring some people um, because I feel like it's, it's important to have somebody to talk to. So I'll definitely put it out there that, because right now I feel like every junior developer thinks it's having a mentor is like a must have, like something you must have. I don't think it is, but then I also think it's something that's really, really important. So you can definitely be a good like software engineer without having a mentor. And but if, if you do have a mentor, it's actually really amazing as well because when you're reading a documentation or let's say an article, it's it still gives you the knowledge, but then it's a bit different from when somebody's explaining it to you. And by somebody I don't mean over a video, like just having someone who's explaining this particular thing to you so you understand it. Because in a video, the um speaker is just speaking. He doesn't ask, oh, hey, do you understand this thing This before I continue? But if you're talking mm-hmm. with somebody, the person wants to ensure that you understand this thing. So even if you don't understand it at that point, chances are he or she would want to like maybe find like a better way to explain it to you for you to understand. So I definitely jumped on like um trying to help people mentoring as much as I could and also working with a couple of developer communities, like developer circles from Facebook, um, she could Africa, uh, women will just trying to see, okay, here can we bring more women into tech? How can we just let them know that this is possible? It's possible for you to be a woman in tech. It may not necessarily be the path you want to follow because um, the environment and the community doesn't really give you the feeling that, oh, hey, it's actually something that women can do. But if, and most of the time, these women don't even know that these things are possible, even know that these um, opportunities exist. So, Part of the things I did in communities that I was leading was try to also bring in more more women into tech. So I'll, I'll say it's a combination of of a lot of things from like mentorship to writing to um, building lo- local communities and giving talks as well. It's not compulsory to follow the same pattern, like doing everything. You just focus on one particular thing. That, that's so cool that you mentioned mentoring. This is one of the things I I love, and this has been a roller coaster for me in the past um, years. Um, and and I, I feel it's something that people should mm-hmm. should be doing way more than this. And one reasons why people don't do it is, in my opinion, due to the difficulty of finding a mentor. And how do you approach finding yeah. a mentor and 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 starting this discussion? So. Mm-hmm. What, what's, what's your trick there? How did you find your mentees? How did you find your mentor? How did you start the discussion? Yeah, that's a really, really important thing. I think it's, like you said, how you approach the person I want to be your mentor or how you accept who you choose to be your mentee, right? So um, I think the, a lot of mistakes that people make, I mean, from the different requests that I've, I've gotten of people asking me to be their mentor is they just, probably maybe see you on Twitter and like, oh, let me just let me message this girl. They don't try to do any sort of like findings or trying to understand what they bring to the table, right? So I'll, I'll, I'll explain. So if you want someone to mentor you in like, uh, let's say React, for instance, you need to show them that you're already doing something in React. Don't don't just send a DM and say, hello, Edidio. um, I like what you're doing in tech. Please, can you mentor me? 
that's I mean that's cool, but like understand that people have people have like a lot of things to do with their time and they definitely want to see things that would motivate them to take up this 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 role as of being your mentor because if I decide to mentor you it means I'm going to like the time I would be using to probably sleeping or watching a movie would now be like part of that time will now be allocated to you. So I need to be sure that you are really serious about this. And that, that so when you're trying to reach out to a mentor, I think it's important to show them that you're already doing something or you're really interested in this role, interested in making the person be your mentor. So it's not just saying the simple, hello, name, please can you be my mentor? But it's saying, hello, name, like whoever the person is. I am a junior software developer or I started learning HTML and CSS two months ago. This is what I've been able to build. I definitely want to go further in my skills and I would love you to um, help me on this, this and this or love you to mentor me because I want to improve on this, this and that. Right. So that gives the person more context. The person knows what he or she is getting into if they are set to take up that role of being your mentor. And I think a good way to identify mentees is i don't know if this is naturally good but what i've noticed is some people just send these messages right and they're like okay hey someone will respond and maybe if one person responds cool but i've noticed that if you say oh hey can you remind me this can you remind me about this later or can you send me (laughs) this later you realize that half or like if, if there are like 10 maybe only one person does it. And then that's when you know that this one person is serious, right? Because if they can't remember to remind you, then it means they were never serious about it at first. Tons of that, it, it works It works all the time, all the time. Like anytime someone needs you to do something for them, just say, hey, can you remind me about this stuff later? And almost 100%, you realize that they don't remind you. And I mean, that's good for you as well, right? Because you get to remind <laughs> I mean, it might be bad, but I think it definitely lets you cut down to see things that are important and things that you're doing with your time because th- your time is really, really important. I think it's also important to not feel entitled to people's time. I feel like there are so many people that just feel entitled to your time because you're probably, you probably mentored a couple of other people or you're doing things in the community. They feel like if I send you a message, you must respond. But they never start to sit back and think, oh, hey, this person has a life and this person can decide to respond or not to respond to my message. I think everybody should try to understand that they're not entitled to anybody's time. I feel like when we are, when we individually understand that, it will definitely make the world a better place. Navarro, I think it will. It does. Indefinitely. I completely agree with all you said. <laughs> um, one um, analogy I, I, I love to, uh, to bring when, when I talk about mentoring is dating and uh, marriage. Yeah. I wouldn't go to uh, to uh, um, a potential partner and start talking about marriage. Exactly. I would go and start uh, building a relationship, talking mm-hmm. about things that we both like and things mm-hmm. where where we can both uh, share in 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 both directions. Yeah. And then at some point we might talk about marriage <laughs> or or having a, a more serious relationship. Mm-hmm. And I, I I feel that mentoring is exactly the same. The, the thing yeah, you want to f- do first is is build a relationship around the topic you mentioned react or or python whichever and and start building a relationship around this and ask mm-hmm. some technical questions and 
really see, hey, I'm interested in this field. Are you as well? I'm interested in knowing more. Are you interested in, in um, helping me know more and, and, and devising about this? And slowly but surely, you're building a relationship. And at some point, you can say, well, what we're in is actually a mentoring relationship. Let's, let's do this even more. Yeah, and so this analogy uh, always brings some uh, some smiles on faces, but I, I love to bring it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're you're absolutely right. That's a definitely a really good analogy of how mentorship works. And I think using the analogy of like marriage, you don't just meet someone and say, "Hey, I want to marry," because like that's that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is this is this is the perfect analogy. First date. Hey, we should marry. <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> oh, gosh, um, this discussion has been so great and so so short. What advice would you give to the next generation of developers starting on their journey today? Yeah, so one, one thing I'd say is you lose all the opportunities you don't take. That's like another code that I love. So for mm. everything where you think, hey, I'm not good enough, you never know if you're not good enough. Let the person that is reviewing tell you that you're not good for that particular or not that you're not good enough generally so always take up all the opportunities that you think would be good enough for your career if you want to write an article go for it you don't know if that article will lead you to your next job if you want to um apply for a talk but you think you're not smart enough just apply like you really don't know if they were just looking for someone like you so for every opportunity you don't take you miss it but when you take those opportunities chances are you may either be accepted or not be, but at least you have like a chance of being accepted instead of completely removing it off completely. And when you don't get accepted from these things, it gives you another opportunity to learn and become better. So when you're applying for the next one, you could say, oh, hey, I did this and that for that other company because you were trying to become good at something. So this is definitely a win-win situation. Whether you win or you lose, try to learn from from both of them and become better in the next thing you're applying for. Awesome. And thank you very much for grabbing this opportunity to come on the show and tell you tell us your story. <laughs> this has been fantastic listening to you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. It was really great. I think we definitely had like a lot of fun. <laughs> well, yes, we did. <laughs> we did. Um, before we close off, where could people reach out to you if they want to, to talk to you and ask if they want to marry you or <laughs> you to be their mentor. <laughs> yeah, so I think of all social media platforms, I'm definitely active on Twitter at um, DD Codes, that's D-I-D-I-C-O-D-E-S. And on my blog as well, which is the ddrsicle.com. And my blog is part of Hashnet, by the way. So you should definitely create um, a blog on your own domain with Hashnet, yeah. Mm -hmm. Anything you want to plug in beyond this? Yeah, to my listener, I'll, I'll just reiterate on like why Hashnet is important. So Hashnet is a content creation platform that gives developers the opportunity to create blogs on their own domains and to also gain like readership in the process. So most time people create personal blogs. A lot of people don't come to that um, like platform, so they go to republish on platforms like media or just get like extra visibility, but they don't understand that. Just visibility that gets in is like good and bad. Bad in the sense that everything is going to medium.com or dev2.com, right? But if you have it on your, if you get that visibility on your personal blog, it helps your domain and your articles become better for you, right? Like it gives you a better, um, like personal branding and all of that. So with hashtag, you could get both 
get a lot of readership and visibility from our community and also have actual control of your content mapped to your own domain. Yeah, that's, that's what I'll plug. Awesome. Thank you very much. And this has been another episode of Developer's Journey. And we'll see each other next week. Bye-bye. The next episode is due on November 3rd, 2020, which will be the day of the next presidential election in the United States. I'm still not sure if I will publish an episode on that day. I do realize this is a very localized message, but since so many of you are listening from North America, I feel it is important to say it again. If you are a US citizen, the last thing this world needs is a dispute over the result of the election. If you haven't done so yet, please do the world a favor and cast your vote until then. Thank you.